But I think once you quit hearing sir and ma'am, rest is soon to follow. Oh, it's the tide. It's the dismal tide. The Olympics, I've, uh, I have to say, generally speaking, uh, pretty good. I think I was expecting to be uh, more bothered by um, the the lack of crowds and thought it would uh, be weird and bad. And it turns out it's been mostly fine. Turns out specifically Olympic athletes are very used to doing their shit in an empty stadium. Yeah, because like who are I don't know. I've never watched any type of Olympic event outside of like basketball, stuff like that. But. I did participate in a weightlifting competition once, which was interesting, but, uh, outside of like, I've never watched, I've never done track and field stuff. So I've never watched that. I've never done any, any type of winter sport whatsoever. So the idea of, of being a spectator for that completely foreign to me. It's weird. Like, and, and Brendan, uh, you said that, uh, this is something you just have to get used to, but, uh, yeah, from, from, someone who's only ever watched like you know big event team sports when i i remember saying to you that it's very weird to me that like you know when uh when simone biles is uh doing whatever she's doing and the focus of the world is on her that like the music from somebody else's floor routine is just blasting from the other side of the room (laughs) because someone else is performing at the same time like the uh, the like everyone in there isn't just watching simone biles (laughs) like every the there's there's a whole bunch of shit going on around you all the time. Yeah, that's I mean that's very that's going on at every single gymnastics meet. They're very used to that. Yeah. Well, did you guys the, when you guys were growing up? Did you ever have like the baseball field that was like your diamond is facing out, and then there's like a diamond facing east, diamond facing south, diamond I, facing I west? I played I played softball like that once. But so was, imagine imagine the MLB was playing games like that where like the north facing diamond is the Reds uh east facing diamond is like the yankees you know and it just goes like that so outfielders there is no wall outfielders are running into each other outfielders just out there hanging out with each other it's like oh gotta pop up gotta pop up just warning each other you've got the fence that has the little yellow uh corrugated plastic thing on the top so no kids or outfielders get impaled on it but yeah so imagine that but it's like the the pinnacle of the sport you know it is weird yeah like um i was watching fencing until like two o'clock this morning um <laughs> uh, 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 uh much like uh as just like you eric i was i was also on one last night where i was yes, just sir. manically posting in the discord just every single thing i thought for like an hour <laughs> and, um but I, I'm watching fencing, and the same thing was happening watching fencing, where uh, it's the USA versus uh, versus Russia. And by the way, I, I don't, I don't even know what Russia has done wrong at this point. I, I'm sure it's for doping reasons. But this is state, like three state sponsored is, doping. Yeah, this is three Olympics in a row that they've had to go by some stupid name other than Russia. So now, yeah, but it uh, hasn't been like that long though. It's it, just like summer, yeah. winter, summer. It's only been yeah, like five years. I know, but it's still, it's just. I think everyone, it's, everyone knows. Like, what are we? What are we trying to prove? In everyone case, hates this. No, every yeah, everybody hates this. Like, if you're gonna punish Russia, don't let them win thought, team medals. I, like, get them well, out of I here. Also, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> they're still kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Even like just because you call them Russian Olympic Committee doesn't like make it. You know, everyone still knows. They're still the. Uh, uh, I did. I did like um, in the Winter Olympics when they were being called Olympic athletes from Russia. Just because I I appreciate that such a huge event would have a name for a major competitor that's so clumsy, 
Um, but uh, watching the fencing, there like uh, for for what watching the women, the men probably do this as well, but I haven't uh, seen them in four years, five years, so I don't remember. Um, every time they get a point, they just start wailing. They're like mm-hmm. scream. They're like screaming like Tony Collette and Hereditary, and um, <laughs> and. But while the the one that's actually being televised is happening, you're hearing it from across the room. It's like it's the people. It I I I imagine if you're fencing, you're you know, legitimately sword fighting. Your focus is probably on the person directly in front of you who's trying to stab you, even though you know it's safe, obviously. <laughs> but but uh, but like I would be very bothered by just the constant screaming that's happening. It doesn't sound like it's not like a cheering crowd where but like you're hearing individual voices just going insane, just like over your shoulder. It's I, I very say weird. That, I want to say there was like it, it was I mean, I guess it would have been eight years ago now. Maybe there was some sort of a uh, screen meter or noise meter at different events. And so the fencing group yeah, was that. trying to was trying to get it. And so you've got these people just screaming bloody murder whenever they score a point or whatever. I don't know if that's just part of the like the game or if they were just trying to get like the TV ratings thing, but I distinctly remember I, that. It's I, like I like to think that they're to... like actually pretending that they're real swords and they're <laughs> it's really a... exhilarated. I, I mean, yeah, in, in again, it's an actual sword fight. So I, I have to imagine the tension release of winning that is 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 high because there's something that's a little more visceral about it than than most other things compared to like say tennis. They well, so that same year though, people were screaming on the tennis court. I mean, I think that was the Beijing Olympics. I think I remember that. The yeah, my memory the noise. is so fucked. Make the, some the noise. noise yeah, yeah. The gorilla came out was dancing. Man, what the fuck was with that crazy bird's nest building at the? Beijing Olympics or Shanghai Olympics. Oh, they just went for it, man. They just spent like trillion. They killed like hundreds of people building that shit. The, that, <laughs> but I don't. Did that actually? Have, that was the. I I have to imagine that did not happen in China. The the Qatar uh, Olympic or uh, World Cup stadiums. There's like a thousand people. Like they're just the. Uh, you're you're just been uh, the these guys from Nepal who they've just like confiscated their passports or just buried where they fell, like yeah. build, building World Cup stadiums. But I don't know if that happened in China. China, um, uh, I, I, I have to imagine, um, has, uh, when it comes to building stadiums and all that, they're, they're, they're using just you know regular guys. They're, they're, uh, well, they're, they're but... not using slaves. Thanks well... for bailing us out with the sponsors there, Mike. <laughs> i don't know man i now I mean, we're the, the dismal tide is a regime podcast <laughs> i don't speak mandarin or cantonese so i can't pull a john cena here and apologize for like recognizing the state of taiwan or whatever <laughs> but man i just have to imagine those guys are like there's like a billion of us like if one guy dies building a building it's not a big deal <laughs> that's i don't a, know that's <laughs> the that's the that's the collective ideology is just like listen there's like who who am I? But that, yeah. that's think but of us as a there beehive. A, there was the thing in the New, York, the New York Times today. There was that story, just like like uh, China exists for one purpose: winning gold medals. Is that good to do to children? And just like, what do you think we do, man? Like, like we have, uh, like uh, like what like uh, compared to Simone Biles, who is the the, the picture of mental health, like <laughs> like the. the w- 
I can't. Uh, I or just, USA Gymnastics as a whole, just like the, mm. the, does that uh, has that seemed like a healthy environment over the last I, 10, 15 years? I've been like, going off that, at work the last few days. I, I think U.S. Gymnastics uh, in general is just a big old stink fest. I don't I don't know. And not against the gymnasts, of course. No, they're just do they're or the coaches. Well, some of them. Who was that? What was that Larry Nasser? That guy. He was, yeah, he was a doctor. Well, but still, I mean, I think uh, the, no, whole, a lot of the coaches the whole are abusing. Thing, I, mean, I mean, the coaches and the Larry Nassar, you are the dismal tide the, bitch the, of the week. Uh, to me, the right. problem USA Gymnastics—they had a real big problem at the very tippy top of the pyramid, and mm-hmm. that they made that problem the rest of everybody else's problem, and they really didn't have to change what they did at the tippy tippy top. But now I got to take like three fucking online tests a year just to make sure I can identify a child abuser. It's like, motherfucker, yeah. I was doing that before. You yeah. weren't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, you know, I don't have too strong of opinions about like the Simone Biles things because A, it doesn't impact my life at all in any, like not even a fraction. It's the healthy, yeah. Um, uh, that's the, the healthy way to look at it. But also it's like uh, a lot of people are very upset about it. So I almost feel like I should have a take on it. And I, But at the end of the day, I'm just like, I don't really care. Like whatever that person wants to do is just like, I don't know. I couldn't give a shit less. If we won no medals at the Olympics, I'd be like, all right. Like, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, I, don't, I don't really, it, it's not really important to me. <laughs> but it's, it's funny because like, I, it, like having this attitude, like who gives a shit about it is, is but I'm just like, if the same thing were to happen to Arsenal, I would just be like people, like heads got to roll. Like a lot of people need to get fired. <laughs> Yeah, it's the thing that you care <laughs> but if, about, but, right? But if we win, but if we won no medals, it'd just be like that's weird, that's crazy. Yeah, we that usually a, do. What an off year, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that. But the, uh, my feelings on the Simone Biles thing, it's that I was already uh, annoyed even before we got to this point because of all the greatest of all time talk, which um, she is. However, um, it's weird, like. Uh, in, in, making sure that everyone knows that constantly is annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true yeah. uh, in any sport. It yeah, doesn't if matter. You're going to put a like, goat on your, on your uniform, on your leotard. Like, and that's what I said. You're going like, to need and, to get over your case of the yips. Yeah. And, and I, I, I said, I'm just like, all right. So she is uh, in, in absolutely well within her rights. If, if she doesn't feel like she can do it. And the point was, made uh which i agree with that gymnastics is more dangerous than other things if you don't think you can do it like if you if if you're not mentally all there and go and uh you know (laughs) go and play soccer nothing's going to happen people are going to people are going to get mad at you because they're just like what is he doing out there you're wasting time yeah but like but but if you but if um i i think about uh uh how i say that i panic in the middle of uh, every golf swing and just like I imagine going up off the vault and then just going shit. <laughs> now I'm just in the air. Now well, that's I'm just exactly already what she ro- did. I, now I'm just already rotating and just like I don't know what's going to happen. That's what she did. She was trying that's- to like when you saw her like I don't know if you saw any of it, but she tried to warm up a vault and she didn't do like even half as many rotations as she was used to. And she kind of like landed in a weird way, and she clearly was like totally lost. I mean, you guys weren't. Like when I did gymnastics and I wasn't doing a 10th of what she was, but like getting lost in the air where you like hold your gaze on something for a little too long and then you don't know where you are anymore. It is 
horrifying because yeah <laughs> it's exactly what it feels like you're just in the air and just like well now i'm just floating i have no fucking idea where i am and everybody watching you like nobody knows what to say they don't know what's in your head so it's just like all anybody does is kind of go like who and yeah. just wait for you to land and like i mean it's literally, you're literally a projectile and you're like i yeah Fortunately, Look, most maps are planned like, for that, you know? Yeah, I don't even like getting on a ladder. So, like, the idea of flying, catapulting myself off of a piece of equipment is like, nah, I'm not fucking doing that. So, the idea that I have a, a sense of what these people should be doing uh, is very funny to me. And, like, again, all these idiots. This is, like, not unique to gymnastics, of course, but, like, everybody with a Twitter or everybody with a fucking Facebook thinks they know everything so it's like well she should have done this or that i mean brandon you have like experience with gymnastics right so it's you've like trained people you've done a little bit so you have more say than a lot of people that i know and yeah like who the fuck knows man but i also saw i also saw somebody make a statement the other day that was like uh you have to be a little bit crazy to compete at these peak levels of performance you know like there is a there's a purposeful um like destruction of like self and your body and mind to be able to do some of these things right yeah there's a there's an amount of sacrifice that goes into being a truly elite level athlete that um makes you sort of a freak mm -hmm. like there's a there's a there's an old seinfeld bit about the 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 hundred meter sprint um uh your, your entire life is just like uh, just like oh well you went to the olympics what was it like and just like well i never had a date i never had a drink and it started just uh, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> and then it was over <laughs> your your entire life built up to this moment that was over in nine seconds yeah and you lost yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but that it, it is like um you know like the there's all, all the stories about um, how uh, Michael Jordan was an asshole or um, uh, Tiger Woods being a, a sex freak um, or any number of guys. Um, and especially like, I mean, those two are very rarefied air. They're the two best uh, or the two consensus top three best uh, players in their respective sports. Um, and like you, you, you kind of have to be uh you, you have to be really good at shutting absolutely everything else out and that also means like a probably some sort of uh lack of empathy <laughs> like you just yeah. you you treat people like shit because they're not like out of malice necessarily but because they're getting in your way they're wasting time that you could be that you need to be uh focusing on winning I mean, in my it's life, it's not a I've normal seen, way to live. Yeah. In my life, I've seen that in like the corporate world and granted, I'm not this like high powered businessman or whatever, but like, I've seen people like that at work and it's like, oh man, you're a huge piece of shit because you want to be like a manager or like a vice president or something like what the fuck? I, I, I have no it's, drive for that. That's also very weird for me to, to, uh, to want that in, in business because like, sports there's a there, there's a true glory to it like there's there's an there's an unbelievable amount of money and fame and like you go down and like people uh, people will people talk about you 
forever if you are one of these truly great people Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm very much unbothered by the idea of of legacy but like um i was watching um uh just what i can't remember uh what it was now um but just watching the face of somebody who'd won gold um and uh it, it, i actually it was, it was after the uh the, the women's triathlon i think is is when i uh said it. i'm just like it's just like anyone who's ever used a sports metaphor like in in a corporate setting i'm just like if you watch the reactions of these people and what it means to them that their life's work just paid off in the way that it did in Olympic gold. And just like how, like, and I just like, imagine it just like the, you know, the, you're in a board meeting at like the coals or something. And they're just, and they're just like, we're like, we got a team. Like you see these people in Olympics, this is what we're trying to do. And just yep. like, how could you possibly care? When the quarterly profits, when they were here, and then the line goes up for the next quarter because of the team effort, that's basically like winning a gold medal. That's my gold medal. (laughs) It's true. And like, but but even then, like, you're, but like, what you do is like, you know, uh, if Coles went away tomorrow, like, (laughs) there would not be a blip in the radar. (laughs) Nobody would feel like, nobody would feel anything. I wouldn't and, know but, where to but go buy people, my like weird square cap there's toe thousands, shoes. There's thousands and thousands of people who show up every day to make so sure that Coles, my ACD, Coles is successful so that a bunch of people uh, so that like their CEO can make like $20 million a year. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you heard the Jeff Bezos quote, right? He, he well, thanked yeah, all the th- people that work at every, Amazon and everyone yeah. who shops at Amazon because they paid for him to go into arguably really high altitude atmosphere, AKA outer space <laughs> fucking chart. Arguably really I, high I've been atmosphere. thinking about this banner when I was buying, when I was buying a car back when I was moving back to New Jersey, uh, the over last summer, there was like some sales banner up in like a Nissan dealership or something. And it was like, <laughs> like sales, best sales quarter of all like area Nissan's, quarter two 2016 i was like they've had that banner up for four years <laughs> people are still working here pointing at that banner and going like look at what we did then like we this is what ha- this is what happened no that one sucks. that was working there no one that was working there in 2016 still worked there because like the used car game or even new car game is like such a fucking meat grinder the, the only person that works there is maybe like the gm and one finance guy and yeah. like they just haven't had anyone come out with the lift to get up there to take the fucking <laughs> banner down. They're like, ah, it's it just looks like, good. It's just like playing in Yankee Stadium, being reminded of like Lou Gehrig and shit. Yeah, but it's just that I'm among the greats at Bayside Nissan or whatever. But that, that but that is what like you know bosses want genuinely want you to believe. And like I I, I just can't believe the, the disconnect where they're just like if you ask them like do do you truly believe this? Like, I mean, and they have to say yes, but like when like the, uh, I mean, like when I think about like the owners of the car dealerships that I worked at, I'm just like, I wonder, like, do do these people genuinely think that what they're doing matters? Like, are they're just like, uh, like, like, does this sort of like mission statement of uh, Lexus's commitment to service, like, (laughs) does it, it, is this, is this something that truly matters to them? 
Like, would, would they would they die for this? <laughs> I mean, well, so in a very specific sense, and I know that I'm like the weird car guy, so I try not to go off on tangents too much. But you brought up Lexus, and I do think there is there are people at Toyota or Lexus, you know, in Japan. Oh, in Japan, sure. Who are actually built? Who are actually making these cars? And like, and like, are, are the the people who are genuinely like designing them? I so, think like that that I that, that I believe matters. Like where so, you're just like I'm trying to make something that will genuinely be remembered. But I, like, I, I can tell you a story about the the building of the Lexus LFA, and I'll I'll keep this very brief. It's like, it's the pinnacle sports car Lexus has ever built. Um, all carbon fiber, titanium, Yamaha tuned V10 engine. Like this thing is fucking amazing. And they, they didn't revolutionize the carbon fiber thing. Cause like carbon fiber has been around for a long time, but they built this massive carbon fiber loom. They developed all this technology to make this car possible. And so one, uh, one detail of the car is that they use a lot of like stacks of carbon fiber sheeting to create the structure for the dashboard and sort of like the fire, not necessarily the firewall, but like the dashboard. Right. And so a lot of that is almost like stacking stickers up. So there's an adhesive backing. They pull the, the, the peel off and they stick it together. Part of that team or part of that process is keeping that adhesive backing, the little peel off piece and they keep that and they put it in a binder and they put that in a box at the Lexus factory. And if you ever wanted to find out, do you have the, you know, 2,500 pieces of backing from my dashboard, Lexus will pull the box out of storage and say, yep, we've got the 2,500 pieces. And so you're like, what is the purpose of that? That's insane, right? And one of the design engineers or one of the manufacturing engineers basically said, Nobody, if we missed one of those adhesive backings, right? There's twenty four ninety nine in our in our packet. Nobody would ever know that, unless this car was involved in an accident and the dashboard was damaged, and now all of our work can be seen. And so they have went to such a fanatical level to say this was done perfectly. They have binders with all of the torque ratings and saying okay well this bolt on this piece of suspension should have been torqued to you know 35 uh newton meters right and they fucking wrote down that it was torqued to 35.1 and they're like well that was within spec and you can get the binder from fucking lexus on this car <laughs> so like does the guy down at the new jersey lexus dealership who's changing oil on toyota camry's honda's accords and a lexus es does he give a shit about the commitment to service at a lexus probably not i mean he's just making a paycheck just like no, any of us but but on, on the other hand the, the does do the people designing these cars who believe that this is their legacy uh I, do they care about the sales numbers <laughs> like the, well, do, yeah. like that's that's the thing. like i think that, like they're basically just like i built this piece this is art like yes. whether or not like yeah it, it just like like this is like the, my, my life's work was making the perfect car and i think i did it i don't think it really matters to them if at holdman lexus in lawrenceville new jersey that, <laughs> that whether or not some uh some asshole uh purchased it or not 
Like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't no. think that particularly matters to them. I but think so, like, I, I think they they look back on it and say, I did incredible work. And like what happens after this is out of my hands, but I, I built a perfect car. That's one of the really interesting things about Toyota and Lexus to me. Like everyone thinks of Toyota and Lexus as like really boring beige. You get the Toyota Camry or the ES golfer's car. Golfer's car. Exactly. Yes. For a long time. Yeah. The, the, the golfer's car. Thus, I, I can't remember if he's the CEO. I should know this more. Uh, basically, Mr. Toyota with a D instead of a T at the end. Um, he's like a legit sports car driver. He's competed. He's driven. He's raced in the uh, Nürburgring 24-hour race. He's been involved directly in development of some of the sports cars. I mean, like, he's basically saying, no, we have to have these fun, cool cars. So... Even some of these cars, like the Lexus LFA that I mentioned was an insanely expensive car, sold awfully because you could go and pay the same amount of money on a Ferrari or a Lamborghini at the time that like way outperformed it. The issue now, though, is that if you try to buy an LFA on the secondhand market, originally, I think it was around $250,000, they are million-dollar cars now because they are such a unique and like I don't know. There's something, there's something very magical about the LFA to me personally. That's like, if you take care of that car and I'm not even talking about like a normal take care of a car, you could, if you just like kept it inside, the car is made out of titanium and carbon fiber and like leather. It's, it's never going to degrade. It's not going to rust away. You know, you might have some rubber seals that rust, but like compared to a fucking, I I don't know, the car will outlive you if you were able to buy one. (laughs) It's yeah, an amazing properly maintained. It's an amazing and any car properly maintained, but I'm like, really, these are these are things that's like made out of lifetime materials. So I have a soft spot in my heart for the Lexus LFA. I, I pulled up, like I pulled up the Lexus mission statement. Uh, the, it's called the Lexus Covenant. Um, and I I sat through an orientation in the uh, uh, in in the like a meeting room, uh, sitting around a conference table. Um, where we all watched a video uh, where they read this and it's Lexus competes in the luxury automotive industry, the most prestigious race in the world. Lexus's history and experience gained over more than two decades has culminated in the creation of our automobiles, the finest ever built. Lexus will win the race because Lexus will do it right from the start. Lexus will have the finest dealer network in the industry. Lexus will treat each customer as we would a guest in our home. If you think you can't, you won't. If you think you can, you will. We can, we will. Jesus. Wow. Christ. That's powerful. That's fucking powerful. That fucking yeah, but I sucks, made $10 dude. an hour. I was a va- I started there as a valet. Like I was just parking fucking um uh IS250s <laughs> but you were, but that, you were like, tr- from Princeton kids whose dad bought them for him and I But just, you like, were this- treating those IS250 kids as if they were a guest in your home. If you <laughs> think you will, you will. I was constantly chastised for having a beard because it was <laughs> it was uh, well, 2008 and this is before people had beards. Yeah. <laughs> so um, now, see, now, uh, 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 fucking uh, our esteemed senators, such as uh, Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz, have, uh, have beards. <laughs> now, what uh, I w- I'll try to get off the Lexus train, but <laughs> when Lexus was formed uh, as a competitor to BMW and Mercedes in North America, their car was the Lexus LS 400. And the classic commercial was they stacked a bunch of champagne glasses or uh, coupe glasses on the hood of this car. 
and fucking filling them all up with champagne and then like rev the car through the range, right? If you try to do that with a Cadillac, all that shit was going to fall off. If you try to do that with the BMW, all that shit was going to fall off. And the point was like, we have designed the ultimate luxury vehicle. And they did. The body panel gaps, like there was such a high quality, high level of quality on the initial Lexus offering that that is why they still exist 30 some years later. And I, you know, Acura tried to do the same thing. I don't think they've, I just don't think they've managed to do it. That Lexus, I, I will say that like driving those around uh, as I did every day, um, uh, on the, the the gap in quality between that and when I went and worked at the Buick dealership and just like is vast. <laughs> <laughs> like um, because uh, at, at the Lexus dealership, we had a, we had a, a, a gas pump uh, uh, built into the dealership. It was just out back. Um, whereas we had to go across the street or on the other side of the highway to the Sunoco uh, at the Buick dealership. So you'd have to go up uh, uh, maybe like a a quarter mile and then turn around and come back. And like, you would take out these, you know, four cylinder GMC terrains and you are flooring it and you're going 30 miles an hour. And just like this, (laughs) and I'm just like, and it's me as the guy, again, I'm making $10 an hour to, to wash these. And I'm just going like, who would buy this? (laughs) Like if you took this on a test drive and you were like, you can't, like you're you're like you can't you're you're going zero to sixty in like fourteen seconds. Uh, and just like what who who wants this? <laughs> so the last car that I test drove when I when I well I have a W I have a Subaru WRX. I did not test drive it. I test drove a previous generation. I knew a new generation was coming. I trusted that it was going to be good based on reviews that I had read. So I just ordered it. I hadn't even test drive. I was like, I'm just ordering one. Um, my wife's car we bought a couple of years ago, a Mazda six. Um, we went and test drove that. I got up to like one ten on the freeway during the <laughs> test drive, and then the sales guy was like, "Oh man, you're really driving this car." I was like, "Yeah, dude." I he's in I the car to... with you. Oh doing? yeah, my wife and the sales guy are like, "He's like, oh man, you're really driving this thing." I was like, "Yeah, I, I want to make sure I like this car." I'm not allowed to tell you to not do it because I need you to buy it. <laughs> right, right. And so we get back, everything's cool, I, and I tell my wife sign the papers, whatever, and I get home. I was working night shift. I get home the next morning. I'm like looking at the car and I'm like, there's only four lug nuts on this wheel. It's a five luck wheel. I'm like, there's only four lug nuts on this wheel. I go around. I'm like, there's only four lug nuts on every one of these wheels on this car. Like what the fuck? And then I'm thinking back to like, you know, 12, 14 hours earlier where I was going 110 in a car that's missing four lug nuts. That, like, where the, the tires are only, eight, <laughs> the, the, the wheels are only 80% on this car. Yeah. Which is, you know, to, all's well that ends well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you made it, but <laughs> that's the Subaru promise. The, the, no, the Mazda the, promise. And if, and if you don't follow, if you don't follow Eric on, on Twitter, you can see many, many pictures of these cars being washed regularly. Uh, I gotta. I need to wash them right now. It's they're filthy. Uh, Twitter user kind being aka at Denton PPM. I yeah, have not. Denton. He's our he's our guest. This I had week. to plug it. I had to plug it. Been, it's I have been not, a half an hour. I haven't. Uh, I haven't Just owned read the a, title of the episode. You know, I have not owned a car uh, since 2012. Now I'm coming up on 10 years without a car. 
That sounds so freeing, honestly. I hate owning a car again. It fucking sucks. Well, Brendan, well, Brendan got absolutely fucked by uh, 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 by car problems. Yeah, Brendan's bought, paying, Brendan's paying for two. Brendan has one car and he's paying for two. Ugh. What what happened, Brendan? I bought a car, a Ford Escape, and I didn't get a warranty on it. Um, and the engine exploded like a cylinder ruptured or something like that and the engine was just gone uh so i got another car and they rolled both what i owed on the old car and this new car into one payment and i'm miserable all the time oh god i'm sorry man that is awful yeah it sucks i hate having a car this is terrible i want to go back to new york your car uh uh your, your car cut my hand open yeah, it was. It was. It's been downhill ever since. Now wait, you said you I had was, a Ford Escape. You had a Ford Escape, right? Yeah. What car do you have now? Uh, I, I, I'm embarrassed to say it because you're a car guy, but a Chevy Cruze. Hey, there's nothing wrong with a Chevy Cruze. I think it's fine. It's just a <laughs> yeah, car. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just now, that, well, my other car guy friend, uh, he yelled at me. He was like, "Well, now, well, yeah, but you're just stuck with a Chevy Cruze now." I was like, "I was gonna get stuck with something." Well, you gotta. You, that's the thing. You gotta affordable. ask. You, you gotta ask the car guys in your life before you do that. This happened to my dad. Um, my dad's not a car guy necessarily. He's he's a tire guy. Um, oh, I but, love tires. Um, <laughs> my 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 dad is my dad's been selling tires for thirty years. Um. So, uh, 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 nothing, nothing but good things to say about tires. They put a roof over my head. <laughs> fantastic! They're, I love them. They're fantastic products. The uh, 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 Firestone points uh, for for his uh, uh, sales goals uh, 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 paid for some good Christmases. <laughs> fantastic. But, um, uh, but he he bought uh, some furniture uh, uh, from my parents' house and. Um, and he had this uh, this one regular customer who comes in who works in a furniture store, and uh, he mentioned that he got like this uh, you know this dining room set, and I can't remember the brand, uh, but uh, he's just uh, and he told him about it, and the guy's like, yeah, no, no, that, that that's good stuff, they're great. And then he mentioned that he got these couches, and whatever shitty brand it was, and the guy just went, I wish you told me. <laughs> <laughs> like I would have talked you out of buying those couches. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, in my opinion, if you it, if somebody fucked up with a purchase like that, it is on you to say nothing. Like, what? <laughs> who is served by this? That was the first thing that my friend did. He was just like a fucking Chevy Cruze, dude. I was like, well, great. I'm not going to think about this conversation yeah. for the next. Let, yeah, let me pay years, for a man. third car. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I can I... return this one and buy another, and they can roll my payments. Maybe for this wait a year third. or two, and then and I, then you say. Know... It. Especially yeah. given that I'm doubling my car payment. Like, maybe don't rub the salt in the wound right now. To be fair, Brendan's car, it's not like there was nothing wrong with Brendan's car that cut my hand open. I was trying to shove my golf clubs into the trunk and my hand slid in a weird way. And it took a layer of skin off my uh, the, the my index finger on my right hand. So, and because it happened right on the knuckle, it's just been a pain in the ass for two weeks because it's a the part of my hand. Yeah, <laughs> the part of your body that gets the most action. So, uh, you know, me being like Constant a car pain. idiot, yeah, car idiot, I follow like a bunch of car journalists and stuff on Instagram and whatnot. And uh, this guy, Johnny Lieberman, he's, he's good. He, I think he lives out in LA. He's, he posted something one time that he said, there's something 
in every GM vehicle that will cut you. <laughs> and uh, I, he said, I think he said in the interior, there's something that will cut you. And so in the trunk is, I don't know if that counts as in the interior. You know what? I've cut my knuckle in, for sure in the inside of my cruise. <laughs> I think, I can't, I can't remember what, I can't remember what car he had posted. I was like at an auto show and he was like, you know, relaying this pearl of wisdom. And he said, yeah, I reached under the driver's seat and I could feel like sharp metal on the seat rail. And it's like, GM, what is going on? I, yeah, no, that's exactly. I like dropped my phone in between the seats and it came up with a bloody knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, c- considering that everyone's constantly dropping their phone between seats, I also believe it's on car manufacturers to finally like put a thing in there so you can't like just drop stuff in there anymore. So here, okay, so now here comes me back on the Lexus thing. I, I'm not 100% certain, so someone will have to fact check this if they care. The original LS400, I believe, had a piece of um, probably cardboard, but then had like the carpet over it that sat in between the center console and the seat to prevent you from dropping things in there. So at the time, all you would drop down there is fries. but Fries, um, spare change, maybe a house key. Which, by the way, just because it's a Lexus did not mean that people did not make those cars fucking nasty because i started as a valet and i got promoted to detailer and like uh, i i did a full detail on a car that i pulled half a waffle out from under the yes. seat and i mean like having kids it's just that's that's the way it goes yeah. it's that if you have kids in the car it's fucking over but i mean like i've cleaned both dog and child vomit out of floor mats for money (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah so my uh part of my issue currently is like trying to figure out do i want to become like on like an entrepreneur or do i want to just keep like working for somebody and so far working for somebody is going pretty good um like zero job satisfaction but like a salary benefits yada yada yada, that whole thing and so the only like interest or thing that i'm somewhat good at is like car detailing um, but also, do I want to clean up puke out of floor mats? And the answer is like a resounding no. I don't want yeah. to do that. So. Well, here's the thing: you can you can own the bit. You can hire people to do that. You can if you're that's, if you're owning the detail business, then you're paying guys to do that. You just that's have to like. But from personal experience, uh, the thing is like when you're doing like a a, a ticket, you know the, the way that like uh, the, the mechanics or detailers do, where you're getting flat rate and you're being paid by uh, you know for you know, uh, for, for those that have never worked flat rate, um, every job has an assigned number of hours to it. A full detail pays four hours. So if your hour, if you make 10 bucks an hour, you get $40 a detail a car. Does the dealership charge 200 for that? Yes, but mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do. You already work there. Like quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, so the dealership, the, so that they take in 160 off the 40 bucks you got paid. Um, but the advantage of that is if you're very good at it, you can do it in two hours. So you made 40 bucks in, in for two hours worth of work, which makes it much more lucrative. Um, uh, uh, although that's basically what I make dicking around in a wine store. But then point. you're like, so I would <laughs> break your, you're breaking your body and rushing and sweating and just nasty to try to like clean this car in two yeah. hours to a standard that would pass for a four hour detail. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing, like the, the people who own these cars 
will come and like walk around because they just paid two hundred dollars. They're looking very closely at this, yeah. You know, and and, uh, and and they will send it back. And oh, do they love to send it back? Um, <laughs> I, now here's the thing: I never got, I never actually got good at detailing. And like uh, once they moved me to flat rate, like um, also because they just I I I I hate this place so much. The the uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was Lawrence Lexus, and now now it's called Haldeman Lexus or uh, like of Fuck Princeton em. or whatever. But Fuck like em. that, like um, when once I I I never should have left the uh, I, I should have just stayed valet. But but um for with the uh uh detailing it was monday to friday where i was working like tuesday saturday before so didn't want to work saturdays uh but i would um i I would basically just clean the new cars like came off the truck you know and that paid like you you got paid two hours for like a a new detail and like that and so so that was pretty good because you could do that in 45 minutes you know you're just you just got to wash it and pull the stickers off the inside of the window or not like the not with all the like you know specs on the car and all that but like just like the you know protective plastic um so i i barely like i if if you needed me to like buff a scratch out of a car right now i couldn't do it like uh, it's been 10 years but even then like i probably couldn't do a very good job then i i never really learned the job you know i haven't gotten to that level yet and i and i could tell you if, if somehow i could see like a youtube algorithm breakdown of hours of content that i've watched on youtube I would say that at least 50% of my total time has been like car detailing stuff. And a lot of it is paint correction. And for some reason, I am just so scared to like really dive into it. I have a DA polisher. I've got pads. I've got polish. I've got compound. Uh, I, there's something about it. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. But I could tell it's, you, I've well, probably... If 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 you don't know what you're doing, you leave a bunch of swirl marks, and like it, it, that, it, like if you if you lean on there a little too heavy with a buffer, you just you completely fuck at the paint. <laughs> yeah, and so. like I mean, I did that on a few like used cars, or like they would have me like train on just like some shitty ones. This is also when Cash for Clunkers was happening. Um, so I and I also just went around the lot just collecting car antennas. I just, I had so I just I just started a collection of antennas that I took off all the cars that got traded in cash for clunkers, um, which is a a a really funny like official name for like a government program. Yeah. But yeah. in like it, it, I I guess like post recession, like as a form of economic stimulus, the dealerships were incentivized by the government that if you took in basic like the trade in value of your car was much higher regardless of the quality of like or shape it was in because they basically just wanted you to like spend money like the, the like, uh you know even if it was on credit you know even if you're financing it it's just like we need to get some shit moving because we're in a, a come, trying to come out of an economic downturn so take your awful car to the Lexus dealership it's worth twice as much as it was um so that was that that was that was fun got the cash, just cash the, for clunkers was disastrous for the used car market though for obvious reasons well maybe not obvious reasons so the the base the surface level thing of cash for clunkers is if you have a car beyond this age you can turn it in and we'll give you like at least five thousand dollars for it, something like that towards a yeah. new car the the kind of like the shady thing is there was also somewhat of a fuel efficiency type mandate to it to where they would dump something in the oil that would essentially turn into glass once it was heated up 
and the engine was destroyed. <laughs> so they took a lot of they took a lot of you know fine running used cars and completely destroyed them. Completely destroyed any chance of keeping any other old used cars running through you know junkyards. Like a, a pick a pick and pull is a huge thing for used car guys. Are like yeah oh yeah I know this has this place has a eighty five to ninety Chevy celebrity or whatever i'm going to go and get an alternator all the thing i'm going to go get an intake manifold whatever these places would fucking destroy the drivetrain and then crush them or whatever and so if you look at the amount of co2 and greenhouse gases and all this other shit that is involved in the manufacture of a new car even if it does like twice the fuel efficiency of like a 10 or 15 year old car it just doesn't it doesn't even out. You you have that like sunk cost in the used car. And so it makes sense to keep kind of an old car running if you can. Shit will break down to a point where people aren't willing to pay for it. But like if you have a 1995 Honda Accord, it makes sense to keep that bitch running because the astronomical cost to mine lithium ship the lithium from Bolivia to China to turn it into a gel, ship the gel from China to Japan to turn it into a battery, turn that battery into something that can be used in an assembly line in Alabama, America. And then it's now like a Toyota Prius, right? It's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking astronomical. And, Globalists. And people, and, and people don't necessarily understand that. And they're like, well, my Prius gets 50 miles to a gallon. How is it bad for the environment? It's like, well, it's not, but also we already did all that shit on this 1995 Honda Accord. Yeah, the, 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 there's a perfectly working that, that yeah, that, that we didn't but, have to fuck up anybody's life in the lithium mine. <laughs> the, the, other, the other side to that coin, which I also understand, is just the rapid advancements in crash safety. So, yeah. like, I don't have kids. I don't, I don't think you guys have kids either. Certainly not. But nope. the idea, yeah, the idea is like your kid gets a shitty first car because they're going to crash it. I crashed my first car. I think you guys probably crashed your first cars. Um, no wrecks, but I dinged no, her up. I, I got crashed in two, and that was, um, I, I cycled through cars a lot. Um, I, my, my first, my, my first car, uh, was a 1986 Buick Regal, not one of the cool ones, not it wasn't a GNX, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, but, um, but it was uh it i drove it once it just the engine just kept on getting flooded it never worked um i i got a 1990 Isuzu trooper from there it was great eventually my dad decided that this thing had reached the end i think it had a couple more years left in it whatever um from the and then i ended up with a 92 nissan sentra that got rear-ended by an (laughs) f-250 Oh fuck! <laughs> You're lucky to be alive. We're lucky to be talking yeah, the, to Michael the, today. Oh, the the trunk was in the back seat. <laughs> yeah, I was stopped waiting to make a left turn, and a guy just didn't. It's like at, at like 35 miles an hour, just ran into uh-huh. the back of me. Uh-huh. And like I I pulled over into like some woman's driveway and got out just to take a look <laughs> at it. And she she's losing her mind. <laughs> and like about like why she's like are you okay i'm just like i don't i mean like i i, I don't feel fine. I, like, I feel fine but but the, the guy floored it out of there and drove away um <laughs> meanwhile 
and so I'm standing there and this woman is just like making sure I'm okay. Just like, cause I pulled into her driveway just, and, uh, and I'm just like, no, I'm good. I'm your, I'm your neighbor. I live down the street. <laughs> and, and so I drive it back looking like, like, uh, like old NASCAR pictures. So you see like where Mark Martin's pe- like team put a piece of fucking plywood on the side of the car and spray painted a six onto it. Like I'm driving my car. I'm driving home the half mile <laughs> from there. Like my bumper is dragging the ground. And like uh, I, uh, I probably should have stayed where I was, you know, for the sake of the police report and all that. Um, I, but I, I drove home, and what I didn't know at the time, um, and uh, again, this, this is this, to be clear, this is an anti-police podcast, but this is when I worked for the uh, the township, which meant that I was talking to cops every day because I worked for the township, and they came and filled up the police cars with gas at our. Um, a, a bit at the shop um and i'd been formally introduced to the cop who showed up to my house to uh to take down the report earlier that day so i was at the very least i was on good terms with the guy who was going to try to catch the guy who ran into me and drove yeah. away. um so <laughs> there is like say what you will there's some benefit <laughs> yeah yes. but um the uh but what I didn't know, but, and so while we're there, like my dad, my dad works like, again, small town, my dad works uh, again, he works a half mile away. So he drives over, I'm in the driveway. Uh, the police are there looking at the, looking at my trunk in the backseat. <laughs> and um, some woman just drives up and gets out of her car and she's like, I found him. And we're like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. She, what? <laughs> and she, her dog got away and ran uh, and uh, basically ran to the park. So she drove around. She was driving around looking for her dog. She caught her dog and was putting it in the in the back of her car, saw the accident happen. And the, her first instinct was to chase the guy who just drove away. <laughs> Hell yeah. And wrote, down his, and wrote down his license plate to the oh, best of her ability, chasing yeah. him through Bordentown. Um, and she kept on calling the restaurant Mastorios, Mastorios um, but, uh, which was my favorite oh, part fucked. about that. She's like, and I caught, I not chased him, and I saw him by the Mastorios, but he got away from me. <laughs> but, That's like an institution in our town. That's sacrilegious. Yeah, it's to call really, that place but either way, um, and uh, uh, th- this is, I and I hand the, that over to the police. But the, apparently, the one thing that was the trouble was that um, New Jersey license plates end in in four numbers, and what was what was an 11 she wrote down as an h and because of that minor uh, discrepancy they couldn't just like go <laughs> the, they couldn't look the, it the, up in the dmv or whatever yeah so but they eventually tracked him down and it was just some uh uh some bad kid like yeah. they they went and like they found like it was his mother's house and and she's just like yeah he, i don't really know he's not around much <laughs> <laughs> Well, so my point is, to, uh, and nothing to take away from your story, Mike. I'm glad you're okay. I also crashed a 1991 Volkswagen Jetta in a manner that should have, well, it was the safest way to crash the car. Anyways, <laughs> um, I would much rather get in a crash of that nature in my 2015 Subaru or my 2018 Mazda than a fucking 1991 Volkswagen. Because just technology, safety features, all this shit, um, does combine to make you much more likely to survive. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got curtain airbags. I've got stability control, traction control, all this other fancy shit. 
that 91 Jetta, I think it had an airbag in the steering wheel. It might, it might, it may not have. It definitely did not have anti-lock brakes. It definitely did not have any sort of traction control or stability control. So like the argument can be made of like, yeah, the 90, 91 Volkswagen has a sunk cost and yada, yada, yada. But like a new Prius will have all that shit. So yeah, certainly. Not that I and I I feel bad because I know this is not a car podcast and I feel like I've I all every time I come on here I take it onto a into a car podcast. No, no, no. I think it's state. fine. It's also I, I but I think this is all interesting car talk. Uh, uh, it, it, and uh, again, uh, most of the listeners to this show do have cars. I can, I'm, well, I'm, the, I'm, <laughs> it's just me. I'm the, I'm the only person involved in this show as a, uh, uh, on on the creative end if you want to call it that, or as a listener who, who doesn't have a car. I, yeah, I, I think a large majority of Americans have cars. So maybe I, some of, uh, some of my weird semi-autistic in, insights into the car industry will be valuable to somebody. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I've been thinking about um, icebreaker games ever since we were talking about, about corporate culture. I've been thinking about icebreaker games for the last like half hour. When's the last guy what, guys, the guys had, were forced to play an icebreaker game? What? What? Can you? I'm well, not I took familiar. improv classes, so I basically uh, uh, showed like, up and did uh, the, uh, the the worst possible versions of those week uh, every single Sunday for money. They uh, they're just like games to get you to talk to the people around you. Basically, you probably did a lot of them other? on the first day of school in high school a lot. Okay, yeah. So like stand up, say your name, tell us something it, interesting it'll about be you. It'll more like, more like, hey, do this. You have to say this ridiculous, silly sentence, and then the next person will have to build on the ridiculous, silly sentence, and then they have to build on it. And if you guys, and like, you have to get to know each other while you're doing it. And hmm. um, I don't, I don't know if I ever had to do something like that. I don't, that to me is the worst co- corporate culture, sort of like. T- teamwork like working together kind of thing in the world at my last job they uh they had us all in a room i'm a a pretty bad employee about these sorts of things because like when we're at a staff meeting and the staff meeting is like hey we have a manual we have an employee manual and this staff meeting is me reading the manual to you i'm pissed off like fuck you like don't give me the manual then like, if you're going to give me the manual, it implies that I'm going to at least look through it. And then you just reading it to me is completely infantilizing. Um, and I wear it on my face when I'm at these staff meetings. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm on my phone. I'm kind of just like <laughs> sighing a lot. Um, I'm leaning back in my chair real far, you know, just no mm-hmm. good body language. So like at my last job, I they, they were just like, all right, we need two or three or four i don't really remember i don't mike might act, mike might actually remember this because i think the day it happened mike i'm talking about this icebreaker i had to do with the 92nd street y oh geez yeah but uh brendan's reintroducing me because i just ran to the bathroom without saying anything um and i, I seem to remember coming I drank a liter of seltzer being very happy with myself but like basically the icebreaker and he picked me because i was again sighing the whole time and on my <laughs> cell phone and uh he picked me and like somebody else and basically the icebreaker was like there's a line you two are on opposite sides of the room and you both have a line in front of you and like you have one like thing to stand on or it was like two things to stand on yeah it was one thing to stand on and it was like you have to make it across the room to the other side to the other person and i was like all right so i throw my thing out there and i stand on it yes 
and they're like, all right, now what next? And I was like, all right, like, I already know what's fucking happening here. It's like, can I, can I go over here? Can I do this? He's like, no, you can't do that. I was like, so we have to work together. Yes, you do. And clearly (laughs) like not enough time had passed and I had not gone through enough of like banging my head into the wall to really like get the lesson. It was like the first thing I did was throw the thing on the floor and step on it. I was like, do we have to work together now? You, you do unfortunately that over to you as well and you go pick him up and it's yeah. it's 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 Fuck brutal you. i don't i don't like it like and i i've i finally put it in i actually just had this realization the other day where i finally put it in in the proper terms i'm just like i'm nice but i am not friendly <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a good way to put it yeah and and like i like i'm never going like uh, i don't introduce myself to people at parties like i i like i i, I part of it is an anxiety thing like i wait to be spoken to you know oh, yeah. but uh but it, it just like if if you involve me i i'm i'm fine i'm good but like we're gonna have a blast but if but if like if if the other person isn't someone who's going to like bring me in like you're you're gonna think that I'm weird or like or or, uh, or standoffish. Um, even, yeah, even people that bring me in, they might think that about me. I guess you know, I would class well. I would label myself as an introvert for the most part, um, but in social situations, I kind of can like flip the switch and turn on and like try to be gregarious and and make jokes and stuff like that. But at work, it's a little bit different, right? Because it's like, well, I can't chug a beer with you and <laughs> tell some stupid story. I can tell a stupid story, but uh, the weird thing that's been going on with work with me is that I'm rapidly becoming one of the most senior members in the office, which is weird feeling. Cons- concerning. Weird feeling. Yeah, I'm, I'm very old. And also, I've only been there for five years and like so many people are leaving. So we've had this huge turnover and I'm like, I am thinking about the things that people did when I was new there. And I was like, man, that was really nice that that guy reached out, shook my hand. Hey, introduced me, introduced himself to me, whatever. So I'm trying to do things like that. Um, while at the same time, the people that have worked with me for a couple of years will be like, uh, oh, Eric, this is his second or third day um, in the office. So like I work a non-traditional schedule. I come in at 6 a.m. I leave at 6 p.m. Or vice versa, I come in at 6 p.m., leave at 6 a.m. Um, usually the first day, people can talk to me and we'll joke around and stuff. And then like the second day, I'm kind of not really feeling that. And then the third day is like, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> and uh, the people that have been there for a while kind of get that. And the new guys don't necessarily. So like, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm nice, but I'm not friendly. So like we've had a lot of trainees and uh, I'm always happy to discuss things with people because there's a wealth of knowledge to try to transfer to these people um but then if somebody asks me like a stupid question which again is like this is a trainee it's not necessarily a stupid question to them they're just trying to figure something out uh my initial instinct is to be like that's a stupid fucking question uh, yeah well i i deal with customers all day so yeah i i 100 get I don't that deal with where, where it's Fine. but but it's it's <laughs> But no, it's it's similar for me in that it's just like I'm a senior person here and that like I, I tend to forget that like, um, you know, it, 
it's kind of hard to imagine because I can't imagine like uh, going into a, a new place and this being the case where I sort of like set a tone like this, but I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm probably the biggest personality at my job, which, which means that like my mood will like fuck up other people's day. And like, I try to remain cognizant of that, like where I'm just like, if, if I'm, if I'm in a shitty mood that like it, it determines like whether other people are happy or not. And I'm just like, I got to, and like I have to have some responsibility over that, and just like like I pick the music, like it's, it's oh it's, yeah, it's yeah. things like that. It, it's it's I'm just like I got I got a responsibility here to other people, you know, to uh to not uh be talking about how mad I am because it will it will derail the whole day for everybody. That's the brutal yeah. Even just picking the music, right? Like that's a brutal thing because I don't know. Like I have different uh types of music that i like depending on my mood or whatever so yeah it's hard subjecting other people to like your mood music i do that at work all the time because i work with basically teenagers and i just don't care what they like you know i just barrel <laughs> right through it and just, like i i get away with a lot by going like yeah well you're 13 if we like the same thing it'd be weird so you gotta listen to yeah, this. <laughs> i i mean for the most part like uh so so it's always like two things it's for uh um it it's always just like uh like punk and and house music are the are the two different things and like my my friend nando at at work like the two of us i um like he djs and you know like when uh he's from brazil and like when he was in brazil like he's uh djing with like genuinely notable people he's he's one he's one step removed from carl cox like he has he has that's legit he has a one of one of his very good friends is friends with Carl Cox. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's fucking legit. And like, yeah. so that that's crazy to me. Um, but uh, uh, so if it's if it's him and I, like, we're playing a lot of house music, um, uh, or just electronic music in general. Um, uh, I, we we both lean house, but some some techno and drum and bass will make it in there. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, like, and, yeah, but <laughs> but. Um, but like both my bosses are, you know, uh, you, you know, came of age in the 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 late seventies, early eighties, and are you know, uh, would just have like the replacements on all the time or something like that. And again, this is this is this is Manhattan, so you run into people like that. This this it, it other jobs that I had like in suburban New Jersey, not the case. <laughs> like your boss doesn't love the replacements in in at, when you work at Quiznos at the car dealership. Yeah, well, now um, transport yourself to South Carolina and imagine, <laughs> imagine the fucking music you hear uh, in the office. Awesome. Egg and wheel. So the, the interesting thing about my job, without giving too much away, well, like pop country is way worse than wagon wheel, Mike. Oh my god, dude! So, <laughs> without giving mean, too much wh- away, wh- I I work in a pretty insular area within the company due to like security and government restrictions. Anyways, uh, like the one guy, this dude I at work, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> I, he, you know, I and I think I I could send you guys like a, a screenshot of this Facebook message he sent me one time, and it was like, dude, if we didn't work together, I would fucking punch your teeth in the back of your throat but <laughs> because i'm a employee of a company that this guy's an employee at i can't fucking knock you out so anyways he's like he's like an iron maiden type of guy and i'm like i'm fine with that that's not really my thing but that's fine i do um, love iron maiden but uh, again iron maiden, it's, some iron maiden's fun it's not for everybody 
but we had some guys it's a little that, ridiculous like, they're doing some uh they're doing some construction in like another part of our office and like some of the walls are pretty thin and they yeah they were just listening to like top 100 country and i'm sitting there and i'm listening to it and i'm like i'm going to take this knife out of my bag and stab myself in the neck because i cannot fucking survive listening to this anymore like i just don't uh. yeah pop country is the worst shit i think that that is the worst music it's just like so joyless it's so fake and it's like, like so the new thing that i'm somebody brought this up to me the other day which i thought was so funny they called it mumble country and it's like mumble rap but with country <laughs> lyrics and like melodies and shit so I started uh, doing like the mumble rap of like getting in my pickup truck, going down to the river with my dog and my wife, and it's like I just wanted to drive off a bridge while I was thinking about it. That sounds like um, there's the the butthole surfers song um, uh, going down to Florida. <laughs> that that that's basically that that's what you're describing is exactly that song. Although that came out in like 1988 or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. So. It's you know, about, like you said, Mike, it's about I'm like bowling I, a perfect game. I'm kind of a, <laughs> I have like varied taste. I, I don't think I'm going to make a full 30 days of listening to Tool album Lateralis. I thought for like two days, I was like, I could do this for 30 days. And I started listening today. I was like, I can't do this today. Um, so I that, like, by the way, that's one of my favorite. Um, I, like back when Pitchfork was, it, it was still very much up its own ass, but like it, they had more fun. And like, there's that the review of Lateralis was written in character as like a 16 year old boy, and it's just like <laughs> yeah. Lateralis is a perfect album. It like, it is the best Tool album because it is the longest. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was I was discussing. I can't remember who I was discussing. This, but I was like, uh, you know, Danny Carey, the drummer from Tool, he uses Sacred Geometry in his drum set. So like, it's <laughs> oh. pretty fucking serious, man. You know. Um, I don't know if I he's can wearing a Larry for... Bird jersey for some reason. Yeah, I don't know I if I can listen to that. I was a big Tool fan in college. I was, oh, I was I... a big Tool and System fan in college. I've I've tailed off on both of them. Maynard came, Maynard came into work once. Um, Whoa! Because I'd he still was, be jazzed uh, his, to see Maynard. I that was uh, his wine. Uh, I was gonna say, was he Stronghold. pimping his wine? Yeah, uh, he came in and like he sat down with uh, with our buyer. Like I, I think it was um. Uh, the the industry term uh on, on the supplier side is work with where uh, the the like the usually like somebody from the winery uh will uh, be in town and you have to go entertain them so i guess whatever i, I we, we actually we never carried any of his stuff but i guess uh whatever company or whatever who whoever had distribution for it in new york he was in town so they had to go take him around to different stores and he had to sit down and they would taste things and like um uh, very small man, way uh, much smaller than you'd uh, initially assume. I was curious. Well, I was curious. What have you ever tasted his wine? No, I, I mean, uh, you know what? What's do you know what the name of it is? That was, I think, Arizona stink Stronghold, fist. but uh, but like it's stink <laughs> fist wine. <laughs> it's not enough. I need more. Nothing <laughs> seems to satisfy life. Yeah. Yeah. Stink fist wines. <laughs> Ten thousand days. That's how long we've been aging. Are. <laughs> he drinks. But, he drinks a a glass of wine in the Fibonacci sequence every day. Ten thousand plus one, days. two plus one, three plus two, five. You know. Ten thousand days is twenty seven years. So you could call your whiskey ten thousand days. We could if you had a twenty seven year whiskey. Uh, that wouldn't be which, good. I, don't I mean. 
Potentially, but at what it, point is there? Years, where is the point years, of diminishing returns? Ten where it's years. Just like, let's just drink this shit. Ten Anything, years. Uh, uh, about ten years, but I, it really depends on exactly the the quality of what you have. I mean, like uh, a, a lot of like scotch is like uh, you know uh, ten to twelve. Um, there are some eighteens, but like notice, there's not a lot of stuff older than that because eventually it's just too much wood. I'm like, thirsty over like, here, my man. It's been eighteen yeah, years. It, yeah, ready. Uh, Waiting drinks is for eighteen years, and that, that, that's why whiskey companies, you know, source all of their stuff and like. Um, without naming names, even though the, there's some people who are very nice and uh, are are doing good, but but like you know they came in and they're talking about their 13 year old the, their 13 year whiskey that they've got, and I'm sure it's good, but but well well hang, well hang on, it, it it is, but but um you know they didn't make it. their um their you know master blender picked it out, but they went and tasted all the same barrels of 13 year old dickle that everyone is using. Like that's, that's, that's how good, like with whiskey, there's a lot of, we're we're a cars and whiskey show now. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. This is like the big towel. This is the big towel show. That's it. Yeah. With cigars. We're, uh, we're, uh, we're a car whiskey cigar show. Um, with whiskey, like, uh, we were talking about it in the group chat the other day. I was talking about Walton Goggins whiskey, and um, the, he has a whiskey. Uh, yeah, he's got some company. I I I can't remember what it's called now. Um, blanking. It doesn't matter. Um, the, the you know the the packaging looks nice. The bottle looks nice, but like the you know the description of it on their website is basically just like this is what like the true expression of Los Angeles and what it means to be an angelino or something like that <laughs> and just like come on man like like number one like none of the stuff is made in Los Angeles like ma- like some of it's you know it blended or bottled in there but like you know um but like their whiskey it's just like with indiana roots it's like yeah like everything it's uh-huh. just like a- a- MGP in Indiana makes everything, yeah. you know, the, like that's, but, and, and they're great at it by the way, which is no disrespect to the people at MGP who have figured it out. But basically you go to them and you say, I need a whiskey. Like this is the mash bill. This is the flavor profile that I'm looking for. And they say, got it. And they make it. Um, and then you, and then it gets all done in Indiana and then you buy it and you put it in your bottle and you say, this is the most incredible New Jersey whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the, uh, Mike, because- now as, as a, as a whiskey connoisseur, such as yourself drinking a glass of red wine. Um, well, what kind of wine are you drinking tonight? What is that? Uh, this is um, uh, La, uh, uh, La Maldicion um, okay. from, uh, from Spain. This is it's a co-ferment of uh, red and white grapes. Uh, it's Tempranillo and Malvar. Malvar is a white, mm. um, so it lightens up um, uh, a typically heavy Tempranillo. Uh, this vintage is uh, higher in alcohol than previous ones. This one sits at 14.5. Previous Ooh, iterations of this have been um, uh, uh, a little lower, um, but it's nice. It's a it's a cheap natural red. Uh, this no. retails for 14. Uh, so with my 33 so percent discount i get it for ten dollars and 15 cents now what i will say mike <laughs> you gave me some advice on some uh i think pinos out of oregon i think yeah and that was fantastic so props but yeah. so here's my, here's my question right here's here's my concern 
everything that comes out of Buffalo Trace Distillery is impossible to fucking get. And I think that might be regional. They're like an allotment, right? I've, been, I've tried to do a little bit of research on this. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo Trace, um, especially the, the antique collection. Uh, so um, all the, the Weller, Stag, um, Pappy, uh, Thomas Handy, uh, all those things. Yeah. Uh, hard to come by. But even like, well, so where I'm at, even just regular Buffalo Trace, just run-of-the-mill Buffalo Trace, run-of-the-mill Eagle Rare, not extra rare, whatever, double eagle, none of that shit, just regular. Forget Blanton's. I can't fucking find it. No. I can't find it. We get, um, for Blanton's, we get a six-pack every three months. <laughs> That's what, we, and we sell it for like $129, yeah, and they disappear yeah. in a week. And um, and right now we have one bottle of Blanton's um, uh, cask strength, or uh, I can't remember exactly what they're calling it, but we sell it for four forty eight. Which, oh. um, which and we 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 never want to be the most expensive on anything. Like we always try to price it. We we try we just aim for the middle for like um, mm-hmm. we look look at like what what everything is for sale for in New York and just and just picks a number in the middle so that we're competitive. Um, and, uh, and then of course you get the people who come in and don't know what they're looking at. And they're just like, I saw that for 80 bucks in a different store. And it's like, no, you fucking didn't, but whatever. (laughs) I've got some buddies in Indiana and, uh, they're like, oh yeah, I can get Eagle rare for like, you know, 40 bucks, 45 bucks. Eagle rare. We we sold Eagle rare for $41 for, for the eight years. And then, and one day it just went away. And now it's allocated. It it didn't go up that much. We we sell it for fifty four now, but like our yeah. price went up too. It's not we're not gouging on that. Yeah. Like our price went up. Um, but we get like three at a time. But it was <laughs> yeah, it was something we got we got half bottles, the regular seven fifties and the one point seven fives all the time. And but and the and I don't even know if we can get the one point seven fives anymore, but we used to sell those for seventy nine, which is a really tremendous oh, value. That's, yeah, I was gonna say I would buy great value. I, for I money. would buy every single one of the store for that. Yeah. But yeah, but Buffalo Trace, it was the same thing. Like Buffalo Trace was, you know, thirty-five dollars. I think it's like thirty-nine now, which is a little high, but it's 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 still good whiskey, you know. It uh, is. I mean, when I started buying it. 10 years ago it was you know like 29 in new jersey but um but whatever it, it's um it, it's just all these things disappear and for for whatever reason i mean like um i i guess it was probably 10 years ago now patty van winkle became the whiskey and it became like the the thing that you had to have and yeah. the price the, the 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 pricing just went insane on that um and I, I found um, a couple of years, like two years ago, three years ago, um, we were replacing all the lights uh, behind the shelves uh, that we had uh, at work uh, to just better ones. So we had to drag all of our on the wall shelving w- with our like custom built shelves, uh, yeah. just drag them along <laughs> the floor to get behind them because they were built in such a way that they were never to be moved. Um and underneath of them, I found one of the old magnetic tags that we used on our shelf for, uh, for a bottle of, of Pappy 12. And it was $44. Oh my God. <laughs> and now it's, and now it's like 800. Yeah. Oh my God. And like, God. that's, so that's the thing, like to anybody, I would say like, 
it's good whiskey, but it's not eight hundred dollars worth. But but it's like you're paying for it to say you have it. This is all for guys. Like, I mean, like we've gotten there's so so many people who come in who just come in and, and just like start pointing to the stuff that we have, you know, behind the counter and just going, yeah, you know, um, a buddy of mine, uh, he's actually got a barrel with uh, his name on it down there. <laughs> and just like, yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And it's just like people, people just want to tell you about stuff they bought. Like <laughs> people will just come in and tell you about what Japanese whiskey, they got a duty free for a half hour. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. But, um, but my, my whiskey advice to uh, 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 for the listeners, for everybody, is that you can get a lot of really incredible stuff at like fifty to seventy five dollars, which 100%. is still which is still a, a decent amount of money. I mean, like uh, if 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 you're someone who powers through whiskey, <laughs> you know, um, seventy five dollars is uh, the, if, if you go through a bottle a week. Obviously, that's more money than you. Yeah, want to spend. you probably don't want to spend that much. No, my, but like my recommendation personally, at like that that kind of fifty to seventy five range is Old Forester nineteen twenty. Old Forester makes really good stuff. Old Forester's good. The Old Forester nineteen twenty. I don't know if this is like specific to that um, mix or whatever, but they say it's their uh, Prohibition era mix, where it was like sold as medicinal or whatever. The 1920 is actually really nice. I like that a lot. That's one of my favorites. I haven't had it for a little while. I've been trying to branch out on some other things, but uh, yeah, that's one of my personal faves. Yeah, that unfortunately, the birthday bourbon, like their yearly release is also something that just you can't get anymore because that also got declared. Like, because once Pappy became uh, unavailable, like every it was a constant search for what's the new Pappy. So like yeah. basically everything that was even close to uh, uh, disappeared as well. So I feel like old, some of these... old Forester birthday bourbon was something that was like, you could get for a hundred dollars. And now that it's gone, it's you forget it. I feel like certain liquors will have like really high popularity periods and bourbon seems like it's been like very popular for a while now, at least like a good 15, 20 years. Yeah, the the bourbon the bourbon boom has been going yeah uh, for a while. The Japanese whiskey one started about five years ago. All that shit disappeared. Hibiki Twelve when I started to work was sixty six dollars, and nobody asked about it ever. Nobody cared about Japanese whiskey. And then one day, Yamazaki Sherry Cask got the right write up in the right magazine, right. and and then everyone wanted every Japanese whiskey. Yep. And the and and we had and. And yeah, Hibiki 12, it doesn't exist anymore. It is extinct. Everyone drank it all. Yeah. And they replaced it with the Japanese Harmony, which has no age statement and now sells for the same at retail as the Hibiki 12 did. Um, just because that it, it just the, it, people are de- the, uh, the, they have to have it like so, anything even close. They just need to have it. Like I need to tell I have to tell people <laughs> that I have this to show that I'm somebody. So I'm going to loop this back into cars because, of course, that's the type of guy that I know. <laughs> uh, a, a guy that I've met once or twice and, and talked to a little bit, uh, Jack Baruth. He's an interesting character. He's an automotive journalist, race car driver, yada, yada, yada. And uh, he but used to write for Ro- Jack Baruth. He used to write right. for Road and Track. He now writes for Haggerty. I think he's heading up like Haggerty's digital media stuff. Anyways, um, 
he introduced me to a phrase, hit them where they ain't. And so that's in relation to like the used car market. So if you look at like air-cooled 911s, so that's 98 and, and prior. I uh, I had to ask just because, uh, uh, sorry to, to derail you, but uh, Jack Arut was ah. the was a nascar uh like a uh, uh like sideline reporter effectively he'd be like okay. the guy on the pit road so yeah. that's a, a, a jack baruth b-a-r-u-t-h so anyways entirely he, different he, guy yeah he says hit them where they ain't and, and when you're trying to find a good deal on a used car so like right now air-cooled 911s are still like super super hot 10 years ago, you could have gotten like a decent deal on them. And now it's like, you're, you're paying 85 to $90,000 for like a decent example from 1986. It's not a turbo. It's not a 4S. It's like, it's just a basic 911. Anyways, um, the idea is find where the market is moving and then look at like the, the less perfect darlings, right? There's, there's still really good whiskeys out there and there's still really good cars out there but they're not going to command this super high price, right? So things like Old Forester 1920 are really popular. Um, Henry McKenna's 10-year is really popular. Got some write-up as like the winner of the Bourbon Challenge in San Francisco in 2018, 2019. That's hard to find, but if you can find it, it's still pretty cheap. It's not bad, Yeah, but it's it's just difficult to find. Um, so yeah, that's kind of been my philosophy with a lot of the stuff is I'm trying to branch out a little bit and see some of the other things that I like, because I've, I just, I feel like bourbon distribution in South Carolina is fucked up. Either there's so many bourbon fanatics down here or the distribution is just fucked up. I don't know what it is. Well, part of it is that I can't order things. Well, do you have, do you have independent stores down there? Do you have state stores like North Carolina does? We have independent stores, but there's also a rule and it might've been changed recently, but I don't think it has any independent store can only have three locations in the state. So like total wine, huge national liquor store with three yeah, locations infinite, in buy, South Carolina. infinite buying power. But in, uh, there, there are no total wines in New York because you can only have one. Okay. So like we but, wanted, yeah. Yeah. Like we, we were looking to like franchise and like, there's a way to do it, but like, the way to do it is um all right so uh the owner could lease the intellectual property to his wife and they could open an account under her name and like a liquor license under her name and everything could be the same uh with all the same branding and everything but you can't share any money you can't share any inventory (laughs) so 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 like there's gen so there's no benefit to it you're just running two separate stores with the same name yeah but uh, so I've been trying to find stuff that's interesting. And, and the other issue for me is I can't order anything online. I, I can't any of the online liquor stores or anything like that. If I try to order, they're like, oh, yeah, we don't ship to South Carolina. Nope. So can send you, I can send you wine. I can't send you any uh, spirits. Yeah. So that's the, that's the tough thing down here. And but, you know, with cars, it's like. I don't know. There's always going to be good cars. I mean, like the classic rival rivalry in America for the longest time has been the Corvette versus the 911. And when you look at power to weight ratio and stuff like that, like yeah, a Corvette's not going to have the same quality interior. It's not going to have the same quality exterior. But from pure performance metrics, I don't know. Like a five year old Corvette could 
maybe keep up with the five-year-old Porsche on the racetrack. So that's a, that's the kind of thing that I but think about. I, again, not being a, a car guy, uh, but I, Corvette seems like the, um, and, and maybe this is disrespectful to the Corvette's legacy, but like, I feel like in modern times, if we're looking at a Corvette from the last 20 years, it seems like a, a divorced guy car or like a guy in the army car. Yeah, yeah. I know, like, like, uh, I, I know, like, I'd, the, say, I'd the, think the, Mustang the, before the I Dodge Corvette. Mustang or like the Dodge re-releases of the Charger and Challenger are like the guys in the arm, the guys in the military are buying those. But yeah. like that's that's what it feels like. The Corvette, uh, Corvette now feels like a, a like a twenty three year old uh, who is going to die soon. Yeah, there's a is stigma. buying a Corvette. There is a there is a stigma to that type of stuff. And and well, and the problem is now we're approaching. Well, you own a WRX, so you know all about stigma. There's a fucking stigma to the you, uh, WRX. Yeah, yeah, so people think you're a dirt bike guy. Think you people think that you all the clothes you own say Fox Racing on them, or that I vape, or that I have a flat brim hat, or that my girlfriend's <laughs> in high school. I mean, yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of stigma about the WRX. Like, trust me, I get it, I get it. So, yeah, I don't, you know, I guess. To, to wrap up my, my long story here, I guess I try to find things that are a little bit off the beaten path. I mean, the WRX is definitely not off the beaten path, but it's different from a, a, a Corvette or, or not a Corvette, but like a Camaro or a Mustang, right? You know, it's, it's a little bit of a quirky option. Now, when I bought it, I lived in Ohio and it's not the quirky option in Ohio. In, in South Carolina, where I live now, it 100% is the quirky option. Seem like you're in pickup country. Yeah, oh, fucking dude, you have no idea. <laughs> like pickup <laughs> country, Dodge Challenger, Dodge Charger. Yes, one hundred percent. So, but yeah, like trying to find Blantons, trying to find Eagle Rare, it's it's fucking impossible. But yeah. I've got uh, I've got a bottle of Larceny right now, which I'm dipping into a little bit. It's fine. I've got a bottle of Four Roses, which like Four Roses, there's nothing wrong with that. Some of the small batch and stuff. Yeah. Four Roses, the, the single barrel is like $45. It's great. It's yeah. it's, it's tremendous whiskey. And when I can find old Forest Spicy, in 1920 or something. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And like I've also been branching out into like some vodkas and gins because my wife likes some of those. So like we got some Reka vodka. We got some kind of gray whale gin out of California. Reka's Reka is really good. Uh, Reka is they're a big name thing. Reka it's it's by William Grant, um, who also does Hendrix. But uh, Reka it's a um, the the still that makes Hendrix. Five of them are dedicated to making Hendrix. The uh, the sixth is making Reka. Okay. In yeah. Iceland. Yeah, it's I currently Iceland. have a I got a Brooklyn vodka from uh, from Van Brunt here that's made from whey. So it's a zero waste vodka because they're taking like the way from like yogurt companies and turning it into, into alcohol. That's fantastic. Cheers. Nostrovia. <laughs> Salute. Brendan, what's, uh, Brendan right. what's your, what's your choice of liquor? What do you, what do you typically drink? Um, I wish that, I mean, if I could, be honest it'd probably be seltzer now it just kind of like backdoored its way <laughs> because i just don't really i just don't really drink that much i like wine That's fine too mr eight um, percent truly yeah i i don't i don't i like most of the uh I, i've I, i've stopped trying to drink the uh the malt liquor uh 
Seltzers. Well, no, Brennan, Brennan's on the high noons as well. This is a, this oh, is yeah. a very pro high noon podcast. One hundred percent. Yeah, high noons are the one. But high even like Trulies good. and stuff like that, the ones that are just like actual like vodka or something else, and not malt liquor. Because I was talking to my friend, I was like, "Why do I just feel like so weird after like I mean, after six of any kind of drink, you're probably gonna feel a little funny." But it's like I feel like a like full and like it's the malt liquor. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, and, and yeah okay. that that was the thing that turned me on to the high news. I was like, "Oh, this is just vodka, fantastic!" Yeah. So, um, I actually wanted to show you guys uh, a video. Uh, I wanted to, uh, yeah. I, I wanted to introduce my yeah. I talked to Denton more about this than I talked to Mike, but Mike, uh, I just wanted to introduce you to this golf Instagram uh, fucking psychopath. <laughs> I'm interested. Okay, well, I'm going to share my screen. Where is it? Right there. Are you guys looking at Manolo teaches golf? Yep. I'm, oh, hey, this I, guy I actually looks, I saw this guy the other day. He, he looks powerful. He he looks like <laughs> he's got yeah. a quote on it. He's got a quote on his profile. Waggle that shit. Smack that shit. All right. You haven't even you haven't even seen the videos yet. He's uh <laughs> this he guy, looks like he looks like he's in system of a down. He gives yeah, yes. He <laughs> yeah, he's very he Armenian Greek, vibes. Yeah. I, I don't want to sound too racist. So all right, let's just, just watch gonna, one. Let's watch one. <laughs> Do you suffer from premature extension? Don't be nasty. It's a condition that affecting all of the amateur hours in the game of the golf. And you do not need to be embarrassed. Check it out. When you come to the back of the golfing ball like that mine, and then you put the footies like that mine, and you are going like this one, and you're doing this one, that is a premature extension, number one. Number two extension prematurization is this one, mine. When you're here and now you're doing that one, now you're doing that one, that's humping the golf ball, mine. You're not Bobby Brown, so stop humping around, mine. That's it. What you want to do is this one. Put it like that one, rotate out the ball, hit the spine angle like that, boom, boom. That's it, that's beautiful. The left knee rotate toward the target, that's one. And then you come in, boom, like that. Stay behind the ball, behind the ball. And from here, mine, you are power to go and smack that shit sexy. So you good. You'll notice he'll say, it's like hard to say. What percentage of this is absolute, like, practiced right. bullshit? So uh, what is like, uh, okay. In every think, video, he'll say waggle that shit, it, smack I think, that shit. I, I think enough like um, barstool white guys are just like, dude, your voice, like, you sound crazy. Like, you sound fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> so like, I think, like, I think, like, I think, I think he leans into the accent a little bit, and it is weird. He does, he he does look weird because he has like he has like this very mat like this meticulously kept beard and yes. these li- and light eyes and he, he his looks, eyebrows are he, doing a weird thing too and i, he's I huge yeah eyebrows. he's got really expressive eyebrows he's just a naturally like um it, he's a somewhat cartoonish looking man yeah yes he's a handsome but, guy oh for sure be yeah. sad don't don't want to be dunking on out, a guy i wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers but and that's it <laughs> By the way, Eric, Eric there was it. something I remember. Somebody posted some uh, thing that was just like, "What's stop? What, what's stopping you from treating your man like this?" And it was just a woman with like an entire like seafood spread that was like laid out on bed, and you're just like, "Get that seafood off my bed, bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> Don't have any fucking crab legs like, in my bed. Get that shit out of here. Of my bed. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. <laughs> 
It's just like the worst possible thing that you could cover a bed in is shellfish. Just smells forever. It's like cracking a lobster over top of your fucking duvet. Yeah, I got to dry clean this shit, bitch. It's not a duvet cover. It's just, it's like a comforter. I got to dry clean this. Get that shit out of here. I'm still under the covers. <laughs> right, I want to watch another right, one. Let's, of these. We got another one. Here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's good. I, 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 this, it's, it's stupid, but I, I enjoy what he's, he's right. By the way, also a game of visualize what you can see, like says Tupac in the rappers. So check it out, Mike. This I need you to visualize a line from this playing partner's golfing ball into the hole. Don't step on that line. It's like Mission Impossible. You're gonna get fried up. Imagine this playing partner's golfing ball on a line. Also, Mission Impossible. Turn, turn, point. You're gonna get lit up if you step on it. We don't need your hippopotamus patas with all the spikers on the bottom putting the security of the entry to the hole. You're gonna put us off the line, man. So listen. When you see the pros stepping like that and doing the yoga like that for the golfing to clean it up, that's so they're not stepping in the playing partner's lines. Put the putter away, put your hands in there, you know, operation, don't booze yourself, move around, be a nasty perro like a praying mantis, don't step in the security of the lines of the partners, and that's it. All right, yeah. so I, I want to I wanna say, I, 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 I do enjoy his shtick. I think it's fun. However, I will say that because it's golf, which is a very, very white sport overall, I feel like he's been bullied into this. What? Yeah, <laughs> I feel, it's, I feel it's like, like he's it's been like forced. Mike to, Gravel. I, 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 yeah, yeah, like the how the yeah how the Gravel teens like like sort of like turned him into a meme. Like I think uh, I, I like this is like uh, I, 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 I just think this is how. <laughs> This, so this is this, so, this yeah, is this some, is how golfers want someone with the Spanish accent to speak. One hundred, yeah. So some guy that's really rich that has like a golf club is like, "Look, dude, I'll pay you a hundred k to be the golf pro, but like, can you be really ethnic so that my guys who come in here can like, it's like an anti racist like, thing, and right? no no disrespect, but they don't trust you. You gotta yeah, be, but gotta like, be, you gotta be ridiculous. You gotta be stupid. They're like, I just need you to be their like brown friend, so that these guys can say, "Look, I'm not racist. I've my golf pro is this really fucking Spanish guy that's or the, whatever." Like, that, like that's the thing. He, yeah, yeah. Like I, I genuinely Again, amazing think, looking they, dude. Like I yeah, would, I would yeah. kill both of He's, you to look like this guy. His arms are so good. Yeah, I would kill both of you to look like this guy. But, I want to see I the also first feel, videos I, I do here. Look at like that! Look at that! He's 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 very much leaning into the character, and I feel he's like so. And, the and things feel, that drive me crazy I, is his "don't be nasty" shtick, where where like he'll just really lean into like these like it's not a sex joke kind of thing, like three times a video. Which I'm is going like, to it's so manicured, right up your I just, home, baby. Yeah, I just don't be I, nasty. I I just feel like it's <laughs> it. it uh, it's just white people just going like, you're going to love this guy. Like he's crazy. Like, listen, like, dude, it's so, it's so insane. It's the, cl- yeah, it's the classic like, thing. Dude, like, like he's Spanish, but he can go off though. Like he really can. Like he actually that's like can. Like, me, that's like I know like he's got an accent. Guys, so you think he can't, but he's good. That's me sending you guys a Chris rock bit where he says the N word a bunch, because I think it's just <laughs> so funny, but I would never say that, but it's so funny that Chris rock said that. It's so know? funny though. What if I did say it though? What if, what if I, I did? I, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Racist, but I wouldn't. But I wouldn't. Here, say, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that. But like, what if I did? This is the first video on his page. I wonder what it's like. If he, if he speaks in a totally different voice. Yeah. Many 
different ways. The first way, look down. This is a perfect grip. You have your left hand, the thumb straight down the shaft, basically. You put your hands in here, you can interlock them. This is his first video, and it was only like nine months ago. And he's got 500,000 plus followers. It's fucking powerful. If you have a weak grip, you are. And there's like no shtick in this. If you have a strong grip, you are like this. A neutral good grip is here. If you are slicing the ball, your grip is too weak. His accent is like 10% okay. yeah. power. Yes, that he. Th this is what I think he actually sounds like. So that, the thing is, all right. So, so okay, okay. So it, it genuinely has changed. <laughs> he that's that's what he uh, regularly sounds like. But uh, but I do think his predominantly white audience has goaded him into being a caricature, and like, I feel oh, yeah, bad. And I feel bad about that. Guy. But if he's having fun with it, I mean, who cares? I don't want to say, like, but... goaded. I think that what happened is just, is he like, ma- he probably really leaned into it for one video, and it just fucking exploded. He was like, well, I guess this yeah. is my whole thing now. Is he making money off of this? Almost, I'm sure I'm sure he's getting paid by, and like... 500k followers, you've got to you be can, Yeah, money, there's right? there's nothing. If you have 500,000 Instagram followers, there's, there's plenty of marketing opportunities. All right. This is the first time he said waggle that shit in a video, it looks like. It's like uh, Thor lifting the hammer right here. March 19th. Oh, boo. It was just him hitting the drive. All right. I want to show you one more, and we're going to end the show. Well, Three-hour well, episode. Brendan, while Brendan brings this up, but what I will say that I've noticed as a person that does not play golf, uh, there are a lot of relationships and professional things that can happen on the golf course that I am not privy to because I don't fucking play golf. Like one of my coworkers plays golf with the manager on the other side of our, like on the other side of the room. And he has like all kinds of fucking information that he will feed to me, which is nice a little bit, but I'm like, Oh man, you guys are definitely talking about more than what you're telling me uh, on the green. So yeah, the thing about golf that uh, people who don't play golf don't realize is that it's fucking four hours. Yeah. Yeah. You are out I there love, together. For I, so here's the thing long. I, Love it, and uh, I, I in I, I've only been golfing three times since I started again after genuinely over a decade away from it. And like when we are out there, I am unbothered by everything else. Ugh. I am hyper focused on what's happening. Like I'm not looking at my phone when we're <laughs> when we're playing. Like uh, I, it, it is like four. It, it is four hours of me actually being in the moment. Like <laughs> that, that does sound nice. Yeah, uh, and like I and I uh, and and I mean I guess that's not necessarily like everyone's experience, but like I'm I'm very serious about what I'm doing out there. I'm not very good. Um, <laughs> I, I'm okay. Terrible. I'm terrible. I'm better than I. I am. Brendan plays five times as much as I do, and I'm I am better than Brendan, but. For sure, <laughs> it's that early that, training. But I also, but it, I, I, I start, I started golfing when I was twelve. How so, to get that out on the pod? Yeah, I, I started oh, it's well documented. Was, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm I started, a bad golfer. I started. I started. I've never in, broken a hundred. I started in sixth grade, so I've I have like a certain like muscle memory that's that, that that's managed to carry me through. 
My car wheel um, is significantly better than Mike's. That's it, that's true. I I can't do any gymnastics. If you want me to flip over <laughs> in any way, you can fucking forget it. And I've really done gymnastics about as much as Mike has in uh, golfed in the last ten years. I don't really do the flips, especially not in the last ten years. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I I um I asked Brendan. I'm just like if if I were to like uh, what do you think I could do off a of vault like in my current shape, and like I'm. I'm in the best shape that I've been in in 10 years. That being said, I have not flipped over at all. Like I, I haven't, I haven't run and I haven't gone off that springboard and gone up over a vault. It's just like knowing what to do once you get like most people can get upside down, but they're like fucking then what? That's the hard part, man. Like now you got to get back to your feet. You're going to hurt yourself. Think to just tuck my knees and try to do one rotation. Right, and that would work. It would work. But I like, mean, I think what you'd probably do is get tucked a little too soon. Sca- yeah, because it's what, we were, what I showed you was like a nine-year-old girl's like vault, where she just like nicely runs over and just does like a front handspring over the vault, and it's like you couldn't do that. It would take you a, a year to figure it out. I think I, you're smarter would, than a kid. It would take you less than that. You're smart. You're smarter than a nine-year-old. They're just like it, trying to tell a, a kid to like extend their shoulders like you might as well just speak that is like all right so i'm running like getting hit uh, hitting that springboard and getting my hands down and sort of like that that like push off so then getting elevation i feel like the hardest part of teaching vault is that like is what you just said you run down and put my hands down and that's what everybody thinks that they have to do and that is like the last thing you do you run down you hit the springboard and then you are just trying to get height you're lifting your feet you're lifting your butt you're just getting everything as high as you can because like you just go like this and the table will come to you but as soon as you reach for the table you suck at it it's fucking terrible all I want to be able to do is a backflip, like a standing backflip. I I mean, it would take time, but like you could, if you're a reasonably athletic person, you could. Well, I'm uh, not. Jeff, so yeah, I have to. It'd probably be like at least a year of like heavy weight squats. Nah, you just got to do them. I don't know. I've started you just doing. Stick a- you on top of something, and you just do. I what I would do for like an adult, if an adult wanted to learn a backflip, I would just stack up as many mats as it took required for them to jump off of into a foam pit to feel comfortable landing in the foam pit. And yeah. it's like if that was like ten feet of mats, and like fine, tomorrow we'll do. Nine I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. But again, you work. You work in a gymnastics gym. Eric and I have no access to this stuff. That's what my default answer when everybody says, "Will you teach me a backflip?" Is like, yeah. Hundred bucks an hour. That's what I charge. <laughs> <laughs> See, fantastic. Yeah. I wish I could. If, if you can teach me how to do a backflip, a standing backflip, if I could bust one of those out at like a board meeting, fuck. Mm, it would take a little while till you felt comfortable doing it. I'm like, well, for hardest. sure. Well, like dress pants, like a, a, a tight <laughs> dress, dress pants and like a shirt. <laughs> you might have to sacrifice the shirt. That's fine. All right, we're going to watch this Manolo teaches golf video, and then we're going to go. Perfect. It's about good head. <laughs> Maniacs, it's summertime, whatever. That's it, but class is still in session. So take it easy and check it out. This is as heavy as shtick, by the way. Between good head and bad head. Don't be nasty. 
Let me explain to you what I mean. I'm out there watching you amateur hours, moving your head all over the place like you're a commemoration bobbling head from the Major League Baseball. That's not the good head, man. I need you to learn good head so you can have pleasure and consistency in the gym of the job. So, check it out. When you get up to the back of the ball, man, and you're about to waggle that shit, nasty, beautiful, sexy, sensational, that's it. But you need to think like Jack Nicholas says in his videos from the 70s, you drive a stake through your head and you keep your head on the stake, man, like a piece of chicken rotisserie, you know, like that's it. So I'm going to explain to you if you don't mind. Watch me. I'm going to waggle that shit nasty. And I'm going to look at my third jay, And then I'm going to smack that shit sexy. But I'm going to keep my head on the rotisserie steak. And that's it. Oh, that's it. Yeah, the, the stick right, so got I do, like, All right, amplified. so it's, it's funny. I it like it. It's funny. It's, he's really good. He's really good at this. But, like, I think he's he's leaning into it in a way. Tarjay. Yeah. Uh, it's just like he's, he can he's only He's really keep, leaning into it. He's and it seems doing, like he's only been topping himself for the last few years. So like, where is this headed? character from the birdcage. <laughs> <laughs> which by the way which by 2021 standards is unacceptable hank azaria yeah. wouldn't if he did that now he'd be the world's most canceled man we're just <laughs> like you're a straight white man playing a gay puerto rican in the most over-the-top way possible or like a gay cube uh, cube at listen i'm, it's it's in Miami, so I'm gonna i'm gonna so, but here's the thing though right he's so, this so guy, but here's this, but also this guy appears to be from the heritage right so yes. is it not within his right to but he's also he saying could, like yeah, that, that's the thing. here's the thing like that that's the thing I, I i i'm a white person i have no culture it's not really my place to say whether or not <laughs> it's okay to turn it on or not right yeah like yeah. i have nothing like I can do like a Philly accent if I want, but like it, it, it's it's not really like who's re- particularly impressed by that if I just start saying water all the time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, to me, this guy is definitely like playing the part or playing the character, but also that's like that's his yeah, you know, that's his right to do. Yeah, it, exactly. Right? He's, a, he's he's allowed to do this if he wants. Like that's it's it's not like it's not. He's not doing an impression of a Spanish golf guy. Like it, it's just like, he's just leaning into basically like, you know, the, the people who genuinely would have this accent of, of, you know, he's a showman. Yeah. 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 Whereas I, 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 so like, if you are, if, if one of us was trying to do this and we talk like this guy, it would be so racist, right? Yes. It'd be the, yeah, a disaster. Immediately. <laughs> you have to, you have to retire from public life. If yeah. Delete uh, all social media. I'm a racing. I'm erasing everyone does Manolo impression at end of show from the notes app. <laughs> I'm not going to do that now, I guess. You guys t- you. don't sound like you're that enthused. I cannot do a Manolo uh, impression. In good I context. don't want to do a Manolo impression. I re- I like him. A- I like him a lot. Oh, my God. The top um, comment is from Steph Curry. Yeah. But again, him, say- him saying Tarjay. And like yeah. it- it's it- it's. He's doing a bit. And uh, but it. And for uh, for all just uh, English speakers to just be like, dude, this is so funny the way you say that. But like, honestly, good for him. Like, that's if you can have like he's got a he's got an effective shtick that appeals to to rubes. You got to get in like where you me. fit in, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah like, Michael, end the show while I read the hashtags. 
So this has been the Dismal Tide. Uh, uh, for the summer by golf addict sports adjacent golf podcast. Uh, our, our guest today has been Eric Denton. Uh, you can Hashtag follow him at Denton PPM on golf Twitter.com. Golf Day. Golf um, Digest. Golfer. This is a whiskey Golfers. and uh, cars podcast now. Golfers of Instagram. Uh, you can follow me at Megakai. Uh, my golf soccer day. show that still doesn't have a name is coming soon. Golf but is fun. Um, golf is life. It's a it's about aesthetics. Golf. Life. Um I can, you know, golf. I I don't know golf if I can play the, the intro that I've put together golf through porn. uh the, the speaker here. I golf have it in GarageBand. It's ready to go at any time. Golf shot. Uh if anybody wants to come golf out to Instagram. some raves with me, I'm golf looking style. to get back into it. Um golf swag what? Juan McLean <laughs> is playing pretty close to my apartment. Golf um, swing down at 80 Franklin. Um, golf tips. In a tiny room. If you want to come out and get Delta with me, Insta golf. Uh, me and our, my friend Brian, love uh, golf, who I've mentioned. Uh, he's a ceiling fan on uh, SoundCloud PGA Tour. Uh, he makes he, he does great Tiger stuff. Woods. Um, but we're, the That's two of all. us are probably going to go to Juan McLean. Um, the, I'm the, there's some other stuff uh, obviously the, the, i don't know how many of them are outdoors the delta variant is a concern um <laughs> but i want to go to raves so i'm i'm going back to raves and uh i'm getting a midi controller soon i'm gonna start making my own music um i don't think it's going to be very good i think what's actually going to happen is i'm going to get it and i'm going to uh, be really disappointed in like the quality of stuff that i make and then feel a deep guilt that i bought this thing and can't really use it well and then i'm going to get upset with myself um but um you, you just got to keep trying so i'm going to get the midi controller i'm going to start doing the soccer podcast that's about aesthetics and uh <sighs> And that's the show. And that's the show. That's the Dismal Tide. You can follow the Dismal Tide uh, underscore on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, actually, I don't think there's an underscore. I tear my heart open. I sew myself shut. My weakness is that I can't do much. And my scars remind me that the past is real. I tear my heart open. Just to fail Drunk and I'm feeling down And I just want to be alone A piss cause you came around Why don't you just go home Cause I channeled all your pain And I can't help you fix yourself You're making me insane All I can say is Tear my heart open I sew myself shut And my wings Drowning in the water So I offered you my hand 
I'm sorry, but I gotta move on. 